the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Hey, it's Jim, and this is episode five of my special podcast with Gary Falkowitz. In this episode, we bring in our team member, Laura Clark. Laura has revamped, based on the advice of Gary, the whole lead system that we use. She's helped me build out our leads team, and we have a great back and forth with Gary about exactly what we want to do at the end of the call, how we want to end our calls if someone is hiring us, how we want to end our call if someone is not hiring us, and then sort of the automation that follows after that. Uh, Specifically, Gary gave us this great piece of advice, which was a good mindset shift for me, is that we would tell people, well, when you are thinking about it, that's great. Just let us know what you're thinking versus now, unless they specifically tell us not to, we send over the agreement for them to review. And I don't have the exact data on this, but anecdotally, I know that we're getting a lot more contracts back. And I think that it's because it's just so easy that people don't have to go and think about it for too long. So um, we talk about that in this episode. We also talk about uh, objections and also advice for Laura on the timing of how we're going to follow up with people who don't hire us right away. So I think you'll enjoy this episode a lot. We're getting to the end. We have one more episode coming next week, but I'm really proud of the show so far, and I'm glad you're enjoying it. Thanks, everybody. How are you? I'm good. So, Gary, this is Laura Clark. She works with me. She's been doing a really good job. She's watched all of your videos talking to me, and, and so I thought it makes sense to have her on the call. Nice to meet you, Laura. Nice to meet you. All right, well, let's get started. So we've been we've been hard at work, man. We've been doing a lot of stuff to implement all the great guidance that you have shared with us. We've made the transition out of Lead Docket and into PipeDrive. Laura has been working real hard with Kelsey, who's our programmer, to sort of build it out the way that we want. She has some questions. She's going to tell you about what she's been doing since you and I last spoke and sort of how we've been implementing it. And then I know she has a bunch of questions for you, mostly about like timing and frequency of follow-up after at, at the different stages that people are going to be in. Okay. Great. All right. Go ahead, Laura. Okay. Hi again. So what we tried to do, um, and this time is kind of systematize the different sales stages and make the CRM software functional to that end. So we came up with a system where we have two different pipelines 
the main sales pipeline, the basic qualifier to be in that is to have a confirmed actual immigration case. And then the leads team will follow up and see if you qualify for, for actual representation. But so in the sales pipeline, we have six stages, right? So they, they come in, establish contact, they're qualified by the leads team, then they're further qualified by the attorney, then we send them the contract and contract signed. So those are the six stages that we've identified. And I guess my, my general question was, does follow-up vary according to what stage they're in? I know that you had told Jim that follow-up should be three days in a row and then three times every other day, but I was just wondering if it's applicable to one stage or to all of them or in order to, since we have few people, in order to, I guess, focus on what will get us the most results. So um, I, I apologize that we're both, I feel like I'm freezing uh, and you're freezing a little bit and you're coming in and out. And tell me those six categories, uh, stages again, please, and then we'll try to hopefully catch up to each other on this video. Okay, sure. So the first one is lead in, which is somebody has said they have an immigration case, but nobody on our leads team has contacted them yet. The second one okay. is, is contact made. So somebody reached out, depending on what means of um, communication we have with that person, but reached out. Then the third one is need defined. Does reach out mean that we spoke with them? No, it means that we contacted them because sometimes we don't have phone numbers. So, so it's an attempt. Is that fair? Right. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is need defined, which is basically when, when the leads team is able to qualify them and answer those three qualifying questions that we laid out. So if they have an immigration case that we handle, do they have an attorney and can they afford us? So that's the third stage. And then in that stage, the objective is to get them to talk to the attorney. And that's the fourth stage, attorney qualified. So when the attorney talks to them, they're determining the specs of the case and the exact price. Then the fifth okay. stage is contract sent. So these are people that have been sent a contract. Um, the attorney has said that we can present them. They've been sent the contract, but they haven't signed it yet. That happens a lot. And then the final mm -hmm. stage is contract signed, but they haven't made the down payment yet. And the work only starts with the down payment. So those are the six stages. Okay. So first let's ask, before uh, I answer the question you had, my question to you is, are stages no, three, four, and five, which is the objective, are they happening on the same call? Ideally, yes. but sometimes. That doesn't happen. That's why we split them. We we divided them. Ideally, they would happen in the same call. Yeah, and I think we have to figure out right right off the bat. From my perspective, we have to take the approach that we're not going to get a second bite at the apple. So, uh, in in recognizing that, we have to also make it normal or normal course of business. Let's call it eighty minimal eighty percent of the time completing three, four, and five on the same call. And if it turns out where it's 20 or 30 or 40 or 50% of the time, then we're then we're not appreciating what has to be done. Okay. Right? And I think, and this is where accountability comes into play because, you know, there are goals and then there are standards. This is not a goal. This is a standard, right? We don't want to make this like, oh, guys, if everything works out great, this is how it should ideally be. I'd rather make it, 
guys, this is what has to happen. And the exception to the rule is when it doesn't happen, and we need to figure out why. Why was there an exception in place? What did, could we not find a lawyer? Did the claimant, could we not qualify the case? Were we not able to get an email maybe to send the contract out to? But like the standard needs to be, when we speak with that claimant, if we're able to qualify it, we're able to get a contract out. Okay. And then obviously, I'll throw a, I'll throw a, now I'll throw a goal in there, which is less standard, more goal, which is number six. Number six, the goal would be, hey guys, we qualified it. We sent the contract out. We had the attorney review it. Why not stay in the phone and wait for them to sign it? Right? That's the goal. Okay. Hey, um, for both of you guys, in that six stages that Laura just listed, what about people like I just got off the phone with, a very nice couple that are thinking about hiring us for an I-130, but they didn't ask for a contract to be sent yet. They're not sure what they want to do. Where why do aren't we sending it anyway, Jim, and telling them to review it? Well, why don't we send it anyway and tell them to review it during their moment of, of hesitation um, so that we can follow back up on that contract. Okay. I'm open to that. So in, other, so in other words, Mrs. Jones, why don't I do this? I'm going to send you our agreement so you could review it and so that you could see that everything I just told you is echoed in that agreement. And also so that the maybe after this call, you and your husband or you and your wife can look at this and try to make a decision today because the last thing you want to do, even if you don't hire us, the last thing you want to do is push this off to another week or another month. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That'll be good for our lawyer training too, Laura. We, we're doing lawyer yeah. training on this next week. So that, that's a that's not something I've ever done, Gary, but I like that. Okay. Okay. So, so attorneys should send them to contract regardless, even if they've asked for more time, and then kind of push push them to make a decision by that day or soon because they don't want to push it off. Right? Correct. Yeah, and I think we have to. Uh, this is where us being lawyers and having a law firm come into play, and it's not giving any, any legal advice. It's explaining to them, hey, this is the re by the way, the reason you want to make this decision as soon as possible is because you need to protect your rights. You need to make sure you're not delaying something that can pose more challenges for you in the future. So the sooner you resolve this, using our law firm or somebody else, the better for you. Um, do I think we're the best firm for you? Of course I do. Do we have the resources? Of course we do. But I'm not sit here and say, hey, take your time with it, because I know that's not in the best interest of you. That will definitely change attorney approach. And I guess, Laura, to go back, I think I, I forgot about it. You know, the, the, the follow-up uh, questions and, and how frequent. Certainly the lead-in, uh, it's a new lead, and we haven't spoken with them yet. Um, you're going to want to go, ideally, and standard-wise, standard every day for a week, easily. Uh, and I would then tell you every other day the next week, you know, and, and maybe every other day for the third week. And this way you really, you know what, because at the end of the day here, I want Jim to be able to go to sleep at night and go, listen, I spent five grand or five million on marketing. And I know my team did everything possible to convert leads into clients, especially qualify leads into clients. And if he goes to sleep wondering, hey, lead came in a week ago and we only called twice. Why do we only call twice? Is that why they were just on vacation for a few days, and that's why we couldn't get in touch with them? But I know that if you're calling every day, uh, and then every other day after that, and they're just ignoring us, they're not interested. And I could, I would sleep better. I know Jim would sleep better. So when the lead comes in, you suggest follow up for five days straight and five times every other day. Five. I would do at least. I mean, I would do seven. You know, five to seven days straight, and then every other day 
for at least another week. I'm not opposed to doing it for another two weeks, but let's keep it. I don't want to. I don't want to change things too drastically for you over there. Um, I'd also say that the first couple of days, there's no reason why you can't call two different times during the day. If they're working, you know, then nine to five is tough. So maybe we try to call them at five thirty or six or six thirty. Um, if we've been calling in the morning, maybe we try to call in the afternoon. So okay. um, we have to think about that approach, right? And what about for the leads we don't have numbers for? I mean, I, I know we ask them via email, but how many emails are? Yeah, so similar, but but not as aggressive. With emails, it's going to be more about what's in the body and what's in the subject, because emails are, are not opened nearly as much as we want them to be from a law firm's perspective, but from a consumer's perspective, obviously we don't want to open them anymore. Uh, but it's got to be, the subject has to be things like, you just reached out, your immigration claim, your immigration issue. We can help. We think we can help. We may be able to help. We received your inquiry, you know, need to speak. And I think that we should be emailing twice in the, uh, similar in the first week, I think twice a day for the first couple of days, and then once a day for about a week. And then after that, it's, if they're not responding to your email at all, and you have no phone number, we're probably uh, not going to get them. All right. Now, and something Jim and I talked about in the past is in those in those emails, the more impressive you make it. So, in other words, if you're able to attach a video, if you're able to have a, a line from Jim, if you're able to change it up a little bit, the content of the email, so it's not just the same email they're getting over and over again, uh, the more uh, the better the chance you have of them replying and responding. Should we be trying to do something early on for the people that we don't have a phone number for to try to get that phone number from them? I mean, if they don't give us a phone number in their web inquiry, is there something we should be doing in the emails to try to get their numbers? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, the whole, I would say the email, the, the whole goal of the email is, hey, what's, you know, what's your number? We'll call you. We'll text you. Here's our number. Call us. Um, that's the goal because we're not going to be able to qualify. Uh, we're going to be very unsuccessful if we try to capitalize or utilize the email to, to qualify something. Okay. Yeah, I think that maybe the first email is should be we want to talk to you and then just you know, just have it like almost make it look like the short little email from Daniel or something that says Yeah. You can even if you wanted to, I've I've worked with law firms that in their email was calendarly emails and it just says, Hey, pick a time uh and put your phone number in and we'll we'll call you at that time. If you wanted to. To give an option to the to the claimant. Okay, I got that. Hey guys, it's Becca here. I'm sure you've heard Jim and Tyson mention the Guild on the podcast and in the Facebook group. That's because we're seeing some really exciting things happening with Guild members and their businesses. The Guild is this perfect mix of a community, group coaching, and a mastermind. Inside, you'll gain support, tap into a network of connections, and continue learning, a common theme among successful entrepreneurs. There are so many benefits inside the Guild including weekly live events and discounts to all Maximum Lawyer events. Head over to MaximumLawyer.com forward slash the guild to check out all of the benefits and watch a few testimonials from current members. Investing in a community is like the self-care of business ownership. Being in a community with other people who get it is crucial when you're creating a rock solid foundation to build your business on. One that's strong enough to withstand setbacks, transitions, and growth. So head to MaximumLawyer.com and click on the Guild page to join us. Now, let's get back to the episode. So in the following stages, if exceptionally, you're not able to um, go through the uh, stages three to five, how would the follow-up be? 
I assume equally as intense or as thorough than when the lead is in? Uh, so let's go over each one. The the contact made one similar as lead in. Yeah. The lead defined. I'm going to assume that if we defined the lead, we spoke with them and we were able yes. to make an initial determination as to whether it qualified. Yeah. In, in that scenario, the follow-up is going to be similar, but it's going to be a different. It might be a different voice, right? You at that at that time, you might want a lawyer to leave some messages. Uh, in your follow-up, because um, a lawyer saying your case qualifies and we think we can help is going to be more valuable than a non-lawyer. And yeah, otherwise, it's going to be a very, it's going to be a pretty similar um, frequency. So five and five, five days in a row, and then five times every other day. Yeah, and and what I find. Um, is when you have a lawyer call up and leave a message, when they say things like, after our phone call, I was able to review the information that you provided. Just wanted to remind you that this is exactly the type of case that we handle basis, and we think we can help you, um, as we told you on the phone. All right, so it's almost, it's a reassurance to the claimant that, hey, I slept on this, as did you, and I'm coming out with the same answer, and I'm hoping that you now are ready to proceed. That would be after the attorney speaks to them. Yes. And quite frankly, um, are you having the attorney, well, let's say three doesn't get the four. Your stage three is lead defined, and your stage four is attorney qualification. If it goes through lead three, uh, stage three, and it's something we want, but they don't get a lawyer on the phone for whatever reason, even that type of follow-up could benefit from a lawyer calling. Okay. Like, Does that make you know, sense? Yeah, somebody on our team informed us that you qualify for representation. I went over the notes. This is definitely the kind of case that we can handle. I'd like to discuss it further or something like that. Exactly, exactly. Okay, five days here. So essentially our follow-up is the same for every stage. It's just the content of our message is what varies. It really is. That's right. Because, I mean, it's if they hear and hear the justification, it's what you're losing out on. If it's a new lead that we haven't spoken with, we're scared that they might be speaking with other lawyers. If it's someone we qualified, now we're scared that they know they qualify and they have now they really know they have options and we don't want them taking other options. So there's not like one become any less important. It only becomes more important and and we only want the case more uh, as we speak with them. Okay. Just thought to lay out five days five times every other day for all the stages. Um, and once we sent the contract, how are we kind of pushing them to, to sign it effectively? So what can be the difference, I guess, in okay, the- I'd say, by, by the way, um, I, I have law firms bringing me in to answer that question. That could take days to answer that question. Uh, but, but, uh, but I'll tell you, um, you know, in, or, in order to convert a claimant to a signed client, it takes a mix of, of some of the following. Um, number one, and I used this word before, they have to know, they have to have reassurance. The reason they called is exactly the type of thing that the law firm handles. Number two, they have to know that the law firm has the resources and the experience to handle that type of case. Number three, um, they need to know that uh, there are deadlines here. Now, this is not something they can sit on. 
uh, their internal deadlines as in addition to potentially uh, potential legal deadline. Uh, they they need to know they need to trust you. They need to trust the person they're speaking with. So there needs to be a level of compassion and likability that the person they're speaking with is able to convey. Um, and then, you know, I guess lastly is they need to have their answer, their questions answered. So we need to be able to ask them, hey, so what is it, by the way, what, what's holding you up right now? Maybe I can answer some of your questions. And some of them could be as basic as, well, I'm nervous that uh, if you can't help me, I'm still going to owe money. And then maybe say, no, 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 look in the contract, paragraph three. We only blah, 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 blah. You know, so if you start to get those things uh, communicated effectively, at, and you can, it could be at multiple stages, not in one conversation, um, then you're putting yourself in the best position to convert a qualified lead into a retained client. Okay. All right. You know, what happens, just so you know, Laura, since you asked, the mentality of claimants, is, I can only imagine from an immigration standpoint, but I could, I could tell you from a much more detailed, a much more confident level uh, with, with personal injury claimants, the reality is they're probably scared and they're nervous and they're not experts. They don't want to get, they don't want their lives to be ruined uh, and uprooted. Uh, and from personal experience, I'm sure all of us, whenever we have any challenges, and I'm sure most of us, you know, we're privileged. We don't have the challenges that immigrants may be having. Uh, nowhere near the challenges they have. But whenever we have any challenge, we always feel better when someone tells us with clarity and confidence that here's your path to getting over that challenge. And, and that's what we have to provide to these folks before we even become their lawyers. Uh, otherwise, they just look like a number uh, or they think they can do it themselves, unfortunately. And, and they'll, I say unfortunately because they won't do it well or correctly. Um, or they'll go somewhere else. So it's a matter of making them feel like, oh, okay, it's not a, a, an overwhelmingly impossible task that I'm asking somebody to do, but rather uh, it's something that this firm trades on uh, on a daily basis, and they're confident that I fit that, that mold. Okay, I think I get a picture of the kind of follow-up that we're going to have to do in the sales pipeline. And then, as I mentioned at the beginning, we have like a pre-screening pipeline which is basically anybody that has come into contact with our firm that isn't a previous client or doesn't have a previous deal, so brand new, and they don't yet have a confirmed immigration case. So these are people like that sign up to Jim's webinars, for instance, that we just want to reach out to make sure that they don't have an immigration case or that they need help or just to kind of follow up on everybody that comes into contact with us. So what kind of follow-up should we do there? What's your goal of the follow-up there? So the goal would be to identify kind of where if there is a potential immigration case. Usually people that join the Ask Me Anything webinar are people that have current immigration cases that might be in need of representation. And the delay lawsuit webinar, the same applies. Sometimes they don't and they're just... They, they signed up to because they have a friend that's in a similar situation or something, but sometimes it's actually them having a case. So it's kind of more is it is it unbeknown to them? Is it is it that you're potentially trying to uh, help someone that may not even realize that they need help? It could be. I mean, the, the situation varies. Jim, what do you say of your of the people that register for your webinars? Well, Laura, you have said that we should have someone on there, like right away, like during the webinar itself to sort of sign people up. But I, I, we got a ton of feedback from this last one we did on Tuesday. So I would say there were, there were 100 and 
130 people registered, 35 showed up, and I would say 25 of them all had questions. So it's certainly a ripe time to follow up with people. Do you have a question, Q&A after your webinar for those who have questions? Yeah, the, la the, the last 20 minutes are all Q&A. Mm -hmm. So I guess the question really is, how do you shift the audience from that of spectator to that of potential uh, to, uh, to someone who actually is interested in our services or has some questions about the potential attorney-client relationship? Is that fair? Yeah, we, it's sort of passive, as you might expect with me. It's, it's sort of passive. We don't, we don't, we send them a replay of the webinar. Everybody that registered gets a copy of the webinar. And these are people that we've done Facebook ads to, so we know exactly what their issue is. They're, they're experiencing a delay and they want us to sue the embassy for them. So it's, it's pretty straightforward as to why they're there. And we could definitely market to them specifically about their issue. I would, I would make it out. I would say, Two things are coming to mind. Now I'm just thinking out loud. I'd make it, I'd want you to communicate that there's a, you're, you're offering a free consultation to see if, uh, and that consultation, by the way, could be the equivalent of five questions on a phone call, which is what we do anyway to define whether a case is a lead or not. But right. um, I would say, listen, guys, you know, thanks for participating in my webinar. Um, love, you know, uh, what we're offering, you know, right now is a free consultation to help you see what your issues are, what your challenges are. Um, and if you're interested in that, hand uh, or give us, you know, and uh, we'll we have your email address, and we'll send you an email for you to for you to set um, schedule a time to speak with us, preferably today or tomorrow, because you don't want to wait on these things. Or if you'd like us just to call you today, you can choose that. Like I almost feel like we just need them to click a button or, or do something, and then we'll take over. We'll we'll make sure we get them on the phone and, and find out what their issues are. Does that make sense? It does to me. Yeah. Like, in other words, I don't want you hanging, ending this webinar without a direction, without an opera, without a path for these claimants to take. And that path could be as simple as, hey, in the chat function of this webinar, just click, you know, just, you know, click on interested or, or, or click, um, please call me uh, or please email me. We have your information, your contact information. We'll reach out to you. And, after this webinar, we're also going to email everybody who's on this webinar um, with a calendar where you can try to find a day and time this week to call us or to, you know, the, the, for us to, to schedule a, a free consultation with you. I think we just got to give them that path so they know exactly what options they have in front of them. That's, you're right. I mean, Laura, I don't know about you, but listening to all these great ideas, and I think they're all things that we should do and need to get done. It just sounds like we are we are severely understaffed. It does severely. I mean, I. I but you I, need to prove it out, guys. Like the last thing I'm going to tell you is go hire ten people and, and and implement this exact path. I'd rather you take one, you know, a couple slow steps, start making your follow-ups a little bit more aggressive, and as you see that it's providing results, because at the end of the day, I want the results to to direct you, not Gary Falkowitz uh, telling you to spend more money with more intake team, but. Um, as you see the results working in your favor, then you have to start saying, okay, let's go one more step. Let's go another step. Okay. Yeah. So for now, what we were, what we were planning on doing is kind of putting them through that preliminary pipeline, just adding everybody, following up with them right after um, webinars, depending on what means of, con of communication they left, what, what contact information they left, 
follow up with them three times to see if they have an immigration case and want to hire an attorney, basically. That's kind of what we what we said we could do. Yeah. But it's not it's not nearly as aggressive as the sales one. I don't think it needs to be. These are folks that are probably I know probably I, I'm really just speculating here. These are folks that some of them may just want to hear an expert speak about it and, and be aware of some issues and make sure they're not running afoul uh, certain rules. Uh, but the ones that are participating that actually leave that that webinar and go, oh man, I think I need someone to help me out. You gotta give those easy and immediate path to have a free consultation. Um, and that could be as simple as, right, sending a text message because you have their phone numbers, I presume, and say, hey, hope you enjoyed the webinar today. Do you think there's something, uh, do you have any questions for us? Uh, would you like a free consultation to see if we can help you? That could be a simple one. They'll write back, yeah, I do. And then, boom, you schedule a call. Okay. So you would differentiate between people that just come and see or participate in the webinar versus people that are actively chatting at us, kind of asking more questions and seem like they have an actual case. Well, I would differentiate. That, that's not what I mean. I, I appreciate the question. I mean, I would differentiate it from your, your leads that you're getting on, on your website or some of, some of your marketers, right? Those are people who are actively um, in speaking with somebody. What, what, what I'm you now have, not concerned, uh, excited about it, you now have this, and there's plenty of people who are in your audience who can use a lawyer. And we need to make sure that while, not only do we make sure that everyone in the webinar understands that you can help and here's the path to contact us. And oh, by the way, they're gonna share that information with their friends who might need an immigration lawyer. But I want those folks who know they want a free consultation, I want them to have the most easy uh, direction to take the moment that that webinar is closed or ended um, so that they can figure it out. I don't want them wondering, oh my God, I think I have an issue, what do I do now? I want them to get a text it says, hey, thanks for joining today. We'd love your feedback. By the way, if you think you might have an issue, we'd love to give you a free consultation, see if we can help you out. Just you know, click on one here or, or text back, whatever you want to do. There are a million ways to do that. That sounds great. Mackenzie was going to incorporate that, like a call to action in, in the webinar software somehow. So just to be super clear, you wouldn't necessarily follow up on all the people that sign up to the webinar. You wouldn't put them in, in, in the pre-qualifying pipeline. You would just, or would you? Um, well, let's, let, me, let me throw it back to you, Laura. Have you done it already? What percentage of those have turned out to be a case? No, we haven't done it already. So let's start small. Then let's not, since you're talking about the resources you may have internally, putting the onus or the pressure on, or the responsibility, on our audience, um, giving them, like you said, a very direct call to action um, and having them reach out to us after we reach out to everybody. I think we have to reach out to everybody no matter what. We have to thank them. We have to make sure they know we're here. We have to give them a, a call to action that is is multifaceted. We have to try to maybe get our, you know, text them and get our contact in their phones. Uh, but certainly, we want to make it very clear in those webinars that if they think they have an issue. We want to give them a free consult today. Jim, I got to cut this short. I apologize. Okay. No problem, Gary. Thanks, Jim. Laura, anything else pressing? 
I think I think I do. I think I I, I, sort of, I have a better understanding of what the best way to go is. But tell me, guys, what have you, Jim? I know you. We talked via email. I think you made a couple of uh, changes, and you were happy with the results. What did you do, and 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 how has it changed the results? Well, the the way that it changed, and the thing that's really improved is you're pushing me to really focus at first on the people who've already had a consult and not hired us. So we've we've been, and and this is all mostly manual right now, but we've just manually been following up a lot more aggressively than when we just used to send out an agreement and if they signed it, that was great. And if not, we got an alert that they hadn't signed it a week or two later. So that's turned into real cash. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. Excellent. All right, well, we're gonna get to work, Gary. We'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Thanks for all your help as always. Thank you, Gary. You got it, my man. I'm sorry a little bit off. Laura, it's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Bye, bye. All right, bye guys. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. Maximum Have a great week and catch you next time.